Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sackbun Studios talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. This is part two of this week's podcast where I dive into the two books that I've read so far out of 31 fully read books, two books I just started but could not get into, uh, that have made me cry for two totally different reasons. So the first part of this podcast was devoted to Heather Cox and Jessica Morgan's second book, the sequel to The Royal We, The Air Affair that came out last year. I just learned about it in April of this year, read it, cried, so emotional for me. A lot of people didn't like it and I feel like it got very unfair reviews. So if you wanna go listen to that one, you definitely should. You 100% need to read those books. But now it's time to talk about Christina Lauren's brand new book that came out not even a month ago, The Soulmate Equation, because, oh my God, it's perfect. It's perfection. It's absolutely perfection. Not a bad part in it. Could have been longer. Could have been 100 pages longer, and I would have been happy about that. Shondaland, make this, please green light this on Netflix. Make this a movie. Thank you very much. Now, moving over to The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren, which is their new book, just came out three weeks ago. You know how in Alice in Wonderland, where she eats too much of one thing and gets really big, and then she drinks too much of the potion and then she gets too small, and so she has to find the balance between the eating and the drinking to maintain a normal height. I feel like this is the roller coaster of emotions if you were to go from the air affair to the soulmate equation, where, like, the air affair, you're happy, but at the same time, you have this sort of melancholy sadness, and then you go into the soulmate equation, and you just end up in the clouds because you're so happy about it, and you just... (laughs) It's just a roller coaster of emotions that you're going through reading these two books. Um, but also, I I just feel like after you finish the airfare, you should just jump right into the soulmate equation because it just lifts it just lifts you right up. Oh, it's so good. It is about a single mom named Jess. Her seven-year-old daughter, Juno, her best friend, Fizzy, her grandparents, Nana Joe and Pop, and then Dr. River Nicholas Pinna, who they affectionately at the beginning call Americano because of how that's the only thing he orders when he shows up at their coffee shop that they go to work at every day. And how sometimes you think that it is destiny but it's really your own choices that can determine how your life goes. So let's get into it. So when we open the soulmate equation, we immediately meet single mom Jess. She is 29, on the verge of turning 30, has a seven-year-old daughter named Juno, and she is on a very bad Tinder date that her best friend, Fizzy, who I think it says that she's 34, she's single, unattached, living her best life, just keeps telling Jess, just go on these dates. You don't have to marry the men. Go have free drinks. Go get some free food. Maybe get some, you know, whatever. Take some time for you. You deserve it. Jess is not into this scene. And you know what, girl? I feel you on this. Jess is like, look, I have a child. I would rather be home with her 
than on these bad dates. The next day, Jess and Fizzy meet up at their local coffee shop, Twigs. They go there every day. So Fizzy is a romance writer and Jess is a freelance statistician. So they don't have an office. They go there. They sit at this one table that they sit at every day and they have coffee throughout the day. That's where they do their work. And Jess is remarking how she has a very comfortable existence during this time because she was primarily raised by her grandparents. Her mother was, is, um, an alcoholic drug addict in and out of rehab a lot. Her father was non-existent. So she was raised by her grandparents who own an apartment complex and she lives in this apartment complex, uh, like across from them, ground floor, you know, has a nice place. Right around the corner, basically, down the street is Juno's school. Down the street from that is Twigs, the coffee shop where she just does her work every day. She basically walks her life around. She has a car, rarely drives it anywhere. She's very comfortable. And Fizzy's not okay with that. Fizzy's like, you deserve more out of this. Jess is starting to realize that she is not living up to her fullest potential. And she realizes how much she would hate that for Juno. When 824 rolls around, this is important. She said, or it reads, she only vaguely registered that it must be 824 when Americano strolled into the coffee shop looking like a hot man with places to be in no time for any of the hoi polloi at Twigs. Without a word, he plucked a tin from his wallet and paying for this coffee. So in walks Americano, who we find out his real name is Dr. Riva Penna. Or as Juno calls him, River Nicholas. We're going to get into it. But um, he is, he shows up every day, 824. She's just, you know, she just looks at him. Kind of just, ugh, like, ugh, whatever. Uh, not a fan. Realizes that he's not a good tipper. And they are just talking about him. Just right there in the open. <laughs> what they have recently learned, though, that day, is that he actually is a founder of this new online dating app that's getting ready to launch. They're discussing this. Fizzy says, oh, like, um, you're doing it again. She says, doing what? Ogling him, Americano. You do think he's sexy. And she says, I do not. I was just spacing out. Gross, Felicity. Sure. Okay. Then she's looking over him and, uh, Jess says, he's not my type. Fizzy says, that man is everyone's type. Jess says, well, you can have him. I was just thinking how I can't fathom the idea that he's starting a matchmaking company. That isn't something an asshole like that does. And there, Fizzy says, personally, I think Daniel's has no idea what he's talking about. Rich men who look like that are too married to their jobs during the day and their investment portfolios at night to think about anyone's love life. Americano turned from the condiment bar to leave. In a flash, Jess's curiosity bubbled over and she impulsively caught him with a hand around his forearm as he passed. They both froze. His eyes were a rare, surprising color, lighter than she would have expected up close. Amber, she could see now, not brown. The weight of his full attention felt like a physical pressure on her chest, pushing the air out of her lungs. So they are literally talking about this man. There's no way that he has not heard. <laughs> this conversation. Think about all the conversations that they've probably had about him over like the two years that he's been coming in and out. <laughs> so Jess says, hey, are you a matchmaker? Is it true? And he's like, no. Well, yes, but no. And he kind of goes into it because they're just 
like, wait, what's going on? Felicity says, well, I'm a romance writer. I have over 100,000 followers on Instagram. I would love to learn more about this. He immediately like, oh, okay, well, hands his card over. Says, yeah, you know, you should come by sometime, get the tour, maybe offer your sample. And Jess is like, our sample? And he goes, spit. <laughs> so basically, this DNA it website, Genetic Ally, which is, it's genetically, but a capital A, so Genetic Ally, but it's all one word, is based off of sending in a whole, like you send in a whole test questionnaire thing, whatever, but you also send in a vial of your own spit. They run your DNA and then enter the numbers in based on 3,500 genetic markers. And then you get matches based on how many of the same markers that you have within a certain range. And you have base matches, uh, silver, gold, diamond, platinum. No, platinum, platinum, titanium, diamond. Diamond is the highest at 90 and above. So Fizzy, so he leaves. Fizzy grabs Jess's arm and says, look, you have five hours before you have to pick up Juno. Let's go do this. And, Juno, and Jess is like, We're, we can't go right now. Fizzy's like, what else are you going to do? So they go off. They get there. Jess is like, this is, this is, the, like, this is crazy. I can't even imagine how much money they're probably spending just renting this space for all of that. Like, look at these couches, all of this. Fizzy's like, will you stop it? And Jess says, well, what, you know, why are you even here? You're not here to find the one. And Fizzy says, what, finding the one or getting some freaky intel for a book? Jess says, you have to admit, you don't look at Dr. Riva Penna and think, now there's a romantic soul. No, Fizz conceded. But I do look at him and think, I bet he's got a fantastic penis. Did you see the size of his hands? He could carry me by the head, like a basketball. A throat cleared, and they looked up to find River Penna standing not two feet away. Well, you two sure didn't waste any time. Jess's stomach fell through the floor. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said, Fizzy asked. He let out a slow, controlled exhale. He totally heard. Hear what? He managed finally. Fizzy stood up, pulling Jess with her. Excellent! She gave River a dainty curtsy. Take us away. So he deposits them and says, okay, well, Lisa will come in and give you the full rundown. And Jess says, what, you're not staying? He's like, no. But then before they can start, Jess says, uh, I'm really sorry. Do you know where the bath, like, can you show me where the bathroom is? So Lisa gives her directions. She goes off. As she's walking back, she hears River talking to someone else in the lab. She's kind of standing there because she's a statistician. So numbers wise, she totally gets this. She hears him talking. And this other guy says, um, hey, heard that you got some new recruits in. That's great. If they send in kits, I'll run them here to add it into the samples. And um, River says, well, it is a good opportunity to prove that there's someone out there for everyone. The other man says, ugly? <laughs> and he, River says, no, not ugly. Entirely average. And <laughs> my face, my jaw just dropped. I was like, excuse me? Jess is thinking the same thing. Then she kind of looks down and she's like, well, okay, you know, I'm wearing um, like a ratty sweatshirt. My hair is up in a bun. I've got vans that are super scuffed on and like ripped jeans, whatever. So I honestly, Jess, I feel you on this. In the summertime, I live in bike shorts and oversized shirts. So 
again, I'm not a single mom, but yeah, in many of these ways, I completely understand what you're saying. So she's just like, oh, meets the actual CEO, David, and then goes off. Here's the speech. Goes about for the rest of her day. Next day, she has to, she has to have this big meeting where she actually has to drive somewhere, but things just start bad. They go to work. She's running late. Blender explosion. Cat running away. Juno wouldn't get ready for school on time. She had to keep changing her shirt four times. All of this. She gets to the meeting location. She can't find a parking space. She finds one. She goes to pull in. A car cuts her off, pulls in. She's like, ah, come on. You got to be kidding me. But as she's looking for another parking space, she realizes who comes out of the car? River Pena himself. She's like, you, this isn't happening right now. She finds another parking space. She walks in. He's at the elevator. Elevator doors open. And she goes, hey, can you hold the door for me? He doesn't hold the elevator doors because he's on his phone. He's not paying attention. So she takes off for the stairs. As she comes off of the stairwell, the elevator door opens. They run into each other. And he says, hey, you know, watch out next time. And he says, careful. And she says, Americano. And he says, I'm sorry. Apology not accepted. You took my parking spot. I took your, and you didn't hold the elevator. I'm running late. You saw me and you didn't bother to hold the door. I didn't see you. And then he says, maybe you should leave a little earlier next time. Wow, you really are an asshole. And he looks at her. Do we know each other? Are you kidding? She pointed to her chest. Twigs, spit in a vial, entirely average. Any of that ring a bell? He finally realizes who it is. And he says, I and he looks, looks her up and down because now she's in business clothes. He says, you were completely unrecognizable. I didn't know it was you. For the life of her, Jess couldn't figure out if that was a sick burn or a backhanded compliment. I'm sorry. I don't recall your name, miss. You never knew it. <laughs> so enemies to lovers, they very clearly do not get along. So she has a bad meeting. Then that night has to go to Juno's school to learn about this science art fair coming up. And she's just remarking that it's like 38% of Californians are single parents. But all she sees is every single mother and father there for every child. She sits down. No one sits in any chairs around her. And she's thinking like, oh, yes, I don't. they don't want my singleness to infect them. And I feel that on a different level not because I'm a single mother, but my mom was. And I can just, these were struggles that I know that she also dealt with when I was in school. So I felt that. Um, so she has this, you know, just, she's just having a rough night. She calls Fizzy and she's telling Fizzy, you know, don't say anything because I know how this sounds. Like, poor me and I'm all alone. I know I'm lucky. I have the best kid and I have Nana and Pops here to help me whenever I need them. I have you. Cutting in now, Fizzy said. Yes, you have Nana and Pops. You have a great kid. You have me. I'm here for you every day for forever. But please, Jess, it isn't the same. You're talking about wanting to have someone to come home to to talk to. And yeah, to get naked with. It isn't selfish to want that. You aren't somehow putting Juno second by occasionally putting your needs first. Juno needs a happy mom. I just, I feel that. I feel that. 
Busy says, just send in the DNA sample. Consider it an early birthday present for the big 3-0. I already bought you the kit. Just send it in. You don't have to accept any of these matches. You can say platinum or higher. She hangs up the phone. Jess just goes out, rips open the box, spits in the vial, puts her name on it, seals it up, throws it in the mail, thinks nothing of it. Two days go by. It's Jess's 30th birthday. She and Fizzy are at Twigs just having birthday celebrations when Jess's phone pings. And it must be, there must be a certain ping sound to it because Fizzy immediately says, uh, excuse me, you didn't tell me that you sent in your sample. Jess says, oh, you know what? It wasn't, I, I wasn't doing it on purpose. It was after I had that off night. I did it after I got off the phone with you, just completely forgot about it. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's really weird because I said platinum or higher. And so Fizzy says, okay, well, she looks at the phone. She says, why is it red? Jess says, what do you mean? And Fizzy says, all the little bubble on there, it's red. All mine are green. Uh, what's the red mean? And Jess says, okay, well, um, you're, you're at an 11 now of intensity. And Fizzy says, um, Fizzy says, to my romance-loving heart, this app is the most fascinating game ever. Humor me. Like, I want to know why it's red. Jess says, you know what? It's probably, I brush my teeth. They say you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, I brushed my teeth before I had called you and all this. So I'm sure that I just have to send in another sample. They kind of bicker back and forth over it. But Jess finally looks at her phone and it's a message in the app saying, please call our office at your earliest convenience. Fizzy's like, okay, well, they sent this in the app. So let you know, so she starts typing into the app, may I ask what this is concerning? And Jess says, you know, that's so weird. I don't know why they wouldn't just call me and tell me that the sample was bad and they need a new one. When the message comes back and Fizzy says, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. This is weird. And Jess says, why? What's it say? And it says, um, do you mind coming in? We'll send a car. Jess is like, yeah, nope. I'm just going to forget that I have like all these other things. She spends her whole day doing all of this stuff. She's like, ah, no, I don't, I don't have time for this. When Juno finally says, mom, uh, can you leave the house for a while so we can set up for your surprise birthday party? <laughs> so Jess has nothing better to do. She calls, they send a car, she goes in, the whole board is there. Except River at first. So like, is Riv coming? And they're like, yeah, you know, he's just in his office. He said he'd be in here. Like, I don't know what's keeping him. And Jess is thinking like, okay, this is really weird because everyone's being really super awkward. She thinks, oh, well, they know I'm a statistician, so um, they must need me here for numbers-wise. So River walks in. He's very shocked to see Jess. He sits down and they hand over these packets. Everyone gets a copy of these packets. They look at it. Jess looks at it and she sees, first of all, a red 98 circled at the top. And then she's looking over and she says, oh, you know, is this raw data? That's this is crazy. Uh, she's like, wow, 98. That's, that's wild. That must be the match score. Hmm. Have you ever had anything this high? What was your highest? River's like 93. She's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, looking at this, your in types and your P values, and I could do a KD chart and saying all this stuff, status, statistician stuff. She looks up, everyone's just staring at her. She's like, okay, well, this is weird. Like something's obviously going on. And so, she looks down again and she sees the client information numbers and she said, and the client numbers are 144326 and client 000001. And she says, uh, who is client number one? 
River clears his throat. He's totally white. And he says, me? And he says, oh, well, Jesus Christ. No wonder he wanted to confirm the analysis. A diamond match for the original scientist on the project was huge news, especially this close to launch. Just says, okay, I get it. How can I help? <laughs> River looks up. He looks at one of the workers there, Lisa. They're looking at each other. And then he says... Who is 144326? Everyone looks at Jess. And says, when she realized what was going on, why they were all there, and why they had sent a car, and why they hadn't made her sign an NDA for data purposes, why River hadn't known she would be there, and why everyone else was looking at Jess with the fevered, vibrating force in their expressions, it felt a little like falling off a curb except she was sitting. It was genuinely so absurd she started laughing. 98. Oh, Jess was still laughing as she stood on shaky legs. <laughs> I'm not here to advise you on statistics. 98. P values with at least 10 zeros after the decimal. Her brain scratched around looking for a way out of this. Jess, Lisa began, this isn't right. Jess cut her off. We ran the data through all our standard analysis programs, Tiffany added quietly. No, I mean, I'm sure your stats are. Uh, I'll call someone to come pick me up. She looks at River, who's watching her, and she looks over at everyone, and she says, It was so nice meeting everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry for the ramble about in-type analysis. And she just takes off. River follows after. He's like, Jess, wait up, Jessica. And she just keeps running. He catches her outside, though, because she's texted Pops. Pops is like, "I'm, I'm out getting the cake. I can be there soon. And... River goes in, he's like, well, you know, I trust the data. I don't, like, I can't, you're a statistician and you saw the numbers. And um, in, they're having this conversation and he laughs and he says, the DNA duo has been validated thousands of times. If we got scores of 98 all the time, I'd be more skeptical. And she says, I can't imagine being less skeptical. Every thought in here, she points to her head, is either LOL, no, or surely you jest. How can you look at me with a straight face right now? And, uh, and he says biological compatibility is independent of whether or not we like each other. And she says, is that the company's slogan or your best pickup line? <laughs> he says, listen, I'm not, how do we proceed? And she says, I'm not even sure what that means. Proceed. I'm going to head home. <laughs> so she leaves. She's like, I, I need time for this. He looks at her, though, right before leaving. And he says, okay, but this is exciting, right? And she's like, yeah, sure. Exciting. Because she's like, this is, this is insane. So she gets back. She has lost, they have the birthday party. She gets an email that she's lost her biggest client from the meeting that she had the day she was late. Uh, not because they wanted her to lie about numbers, but they wanted her to exclude data points that would sort of, um, not drastically, but dynamically change the number outcome. And she wasn't going to do that because she has a high reputation. And she's like, Okay, what am I going to do? Nana and Pops are like, we will always be here to support you. And she says, no, no, no. I don't I don't want you to take care of me. I'll figure this out. I'll just get another job. So she starts the next day over at Twigs. And she's very bad at it. 824 rolls around. Guess who comes in? River Pinna. 
he looks at her and he's like, uh, what are you doing there with an apron on? Like, I thought you... He points over at Fizzy, who's sitting there just staring at the open mouth. He's like, oh, I thought you did something else. And she says, well, look, I lost my job. I have a kid, have bills to pay, need money. And he immediately looks down and she goes, I'm an, a single parent, never been married. Like, ha, wouldn't that be funny? Uh, the scientist that came up with this gets a match at 98 and turns out that person's already married. She leaves work that day. Brandon, who's also part of the board, follows, like, catches up to her, follows her in his Tesla, which I find a little creepy. I'm not going to lie. I did find that creepy. And he says, look, David and I, who David is the CEO, says, we just want to talk. We we just want to talk. Is there any way that you could have dinner tonight? And she's like, oh, and he says, it's just dinner. Like, we promise we, we don't bite. We just want to talk. So she says, okay, well, I have to go change. So she changes. They go to dinner. And when they walk in, she sees River is also there. And she's like, oh, God, River. And River's like, okay, I thought you knew I was going to be here. And she goes, no, it's fine. I just misunderstood. And they are sitting there. And um, he, they're speaking. And Brandon's like, okay, well, um, it can be easier to believe bad news than good news because they're like, well, let's give you the rundown again. She goes, no, I don't need the science, but I get it. Statistically wise, I get it. And then Brandon says this like, well, you know, it's easier to believe bad news. And she says, I'm not a pessimist. I'd believe good news if it was someone telling me I won the lottery, but I'm looking at him. He's looking at me and I'm sure we're both thinking there is no way. So Brandon looks at River and he says, do you find her attractive? And River says, this test isn't measured by attraction. It's a measure of compatibility. Just looks at it, looks down at her bread. You really just said that. David says, Jessica, do you? She laughs. River is attractive. We can all see that. She kind of like saw, like, kind of half glances over and sees that uh, he's like kind of got a little smirk going on. And she goes, but speaking to him is like having a conversation with a grouchy calculator. <laughs> so, which that catches David off guard. So they try a different tack. They're like, look, here's the thing. We have to validate this number. Like, this is huge. We go public in May. We have to validate this for the IPO for the stockholders. What if we paid you? Jess says, well, um, what? And they're like, we will pay you to go out on dates with him. Just get to know him. Just so we can see if the science is right. She says, well, okay, well, how much are we talking? Brandon says $10,000 a month. <laughs> she says, and what, what? Like, okay, what? When does the company go public? And he says, well, it's the end of January. The, the IPO date is May 6th, so three months. And so she's thinking $30,000. Well, um you know, the company that I just lost out on, that was going to be $18,000 for the rest of the year. So, you know, I can't really afford to look a gift horse in the mouth. But so she says, I'm going to have to think about it. Again, she leaves, just gets up and leaves, doesn't even have dinner. And then she's like, well, I was stupid. I didn't even eat there. So she's talking it over with Nana and Pops. And they're like, well, 
like do it like <laughs> just do it what's the big because she's like do you know how expensive it is to raise a child until age 18 and you know what about this and what about this and what if this happens and what if this happens and they try to stop her wheels from spinning but then pops is like well do it because you know college isn't getting any cheaper she's talking to juno and i love this because <laughs> juno says why are you making that face what face and she runs a finger across her forehead the one anti fizzy can't make anymore because of the botox I'm not frowning, Jess said. I'm just thinking. Someone asked me to do something, and I'm not sure whether I should do it. So Juno says, is it bad? No, not bad. Is it going to, is someone going to get hurt? I hope not, Jess said. I don't think so. Do you feel unsafe? Jess bit her lip, trying to hold in a charmed laugh. This kid was repeating exactly what she would say in her position where it reversed. No, I don't feel unsafe. Once she sat up again, her daughter pinned her with a stern look. Will you be lying? <laughs> and Jess says, I won't be lying. And then Juno um, sets her book on her nightstand and she says, well, would you learn something? And Jess just looks at her and she says, and she's just like, God, this kid is so smart. So she goes along with it. She shows up to sign the contracts and and river has put in the contracts um you know that like she's not forced to do anything intimately like none of that and like he wanted her to know like it wasn't about that we love that and she says this is all great this is fine i'll sign it but i want to add it in here that i don't want anything about my child i don't want her part of any of the news no photos nothing like okay but before she signs it, River says, you know what? I want to do a blood draw. I, I Like, I want to verify this. And she's like, well, didn't you already verify? He goes, well, yeah, with the sample, with the spit. But I want a blood draw because that's even more conclusive. So she says, okay. They go off to do this. He is the one that's actually going to do it. And <laughs> while they're sitting there, he is, he's working on getting everything ready. And she, and he says... And she asked, well, like, what made you get into this? He says, you mean how an asshole like me started studying love in the first place? And she says, I'm not sure if you're trying to make me feel bad, but let me remind you, this is the room where you told your friend that I was average. He rolled his eyes playfully. I didn't expect you to hear that. Oh, in that case, it's not an insult at all. You, he looks, gives her the perusal. And then he says, you're a perfect test subject. From a scientific standpoint, average isn't an insult. You're exactly what we look for. <sighs> I love it. So they do this and he says, yeah, look, it's going to take eight hours to run this. So we're not going to know anything tonight, but I'll call you. And he says, I'll call you in the morning either way, like either to confirm it or to, you know, tell, say that it wasn't correct. I'll let you know. He calls the next morning. She ignores it. He sends her a text, are you free for dinner tonight? And she says, so it came back? And he says, oh, I tried to call with the results. And she says, is it confirmed? Is it, not, it wasn't true. And he says, 98, confirmed. So she gives the address for um, this restaurant literally on the other side of the apartment complex. And she says, this restaurant, 730, park in the alley. <laughs> so he shows up early. 
<laughs> he shows up a little early. She's already sitting there. She's already freaked out about this enough. But they have this great conversation. And at some point he says, you seem very competent. It's reassuring. Attractive. Jess watched him pointedly avoid her eyes. He had no way of knowing, but calling her competent was easily the best compliment he could have paid her. <sighs> we love this. They go to order their food. Rama, the waiter, is like, yeah, Jess, you're going to have your regular. And she says, yeah. And River says, well, okay, what's what's her regular? And Rama tells him what it is. And River says, oh, oh, oh well, okay, what, um... What else would you recommend? And Jess looks at him and says, you weren't going to order the duck, were you? And he's like, oh, yeah. And she goes, no. And he's like, what? yeah. So she goes ahead and orders the food. They have these great conversations, like just great conversations. Everything's going fine. And then Juno shows up. <laughs> Juno comes over and uh, she like is just momentarily like, oh, God. And Jenna says, I could hear your laugh in the courtyard. What were you doing in the courtyard? Beating Pops at checkers. Pops? Jess called out. She's too fast, Pop replied behind the fence. Juno giggled. I've got her, Jess said. And then she looks at River and she says, sorry for the interruption. And he says, not at all. And she says, Juno, this is Dr. Penna. Juno reached out and he wrapped her tiny hand in his large one. River, he said, shaking gently. You can call me River. Settling on to her mom's lap, Juno tilted her head. You have a unique name, too. River nodded. I do. Do you like it? She asked. Absolutely. My middle name is M-E-R-R-I-A-M. I'm named after mountains. What's yours? Nicholas, after my grandpa. Hmm. That's kind of normal, I guess. Did anyone ever tease you for being named River Nicholas? A few times. Um, he says, but I'd rather be teased for having a name nobody else has than one that a ton of people have. I'm willing to bet no one else is named Juno Merriman Davis. Only you. Just leaned back, taking this all in, confused by the warm, wiggly feeling in her stomach. Me too, girl, me too. Juno shifts in her lap. <laughs> she says, my mom is Jessica Marie Davis. We looked it up once and there were 400 of them in California. Yeah, he caught Jess's eye and then smiled back at Juno. But I bet there's really only one person like your mom anywhere in the world. And it just says W space H space A, A space T. And I just imagine Jess in her head going, what? <laughs> That's true. Juno agreed with unbridled innocence. So he looks away. Jess is like, her heart's in overdrive. She's like, oh God, what is happening right now? And then he says, well, I should probably head out. And Jess says, thanks for dinner. He says, anytime. He looks at Juno. And then he looks back at Jess and he says, I mean it. So they're walking out. And uh, he says, thanks for letting me park back here. And she says, we have a great uh, guest spot. Street parking is a total drag. People sit on cars out front, Juno added. Mr. Brooks gets so mad. River frowned, taking this information adorably seriously. Does he? Our neighbor just explained, it's a cast of characters here. River glanced at his watch as he reached for his car door and unlocked it. I'm seeing that. Jess searched for it. She really did, but there was nothing in his tone to make her think he was complaining at all. Good night, Jessica Marie and Juno Merriman. Juno squeezed Jess's neck. Good night, River Nicholas. Oh my god, I can't. <laughs> I... 
legitimately cannot with this man and this child. Brandon calls her up a couple of days later and says, hey, I got your email. Glad your first date went well. So here's a thought. Um, does this day and time work for you? The Tribune wants to do an article about you and River. She's like, excuse me? And he says, oh, it's totally fine. Totally casual. Uh, you'll be photographed. And there's going to be an article written. Does this time work for you? So she shows up. She's just freaking out. First of all, she told Fizzy, like, I have absolutely nothing to wear. Um, this is insane. Fizzy's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to do great. She shows up. River's just looking phenomenal in this camel colored long coat. Oh, she's freezing, though, because she wore a t-shirt. And <laughs> they are talking. She's just like, I don't know how to handle any of this. And finally, the writer, Michelle, says, okay, we're going to go take some pictures over here. She set, you know, adjusts them. And then she says, just talk to each other as naturally as you can. Forget we're here. Just wanted to stare at her with deep, unmasked incredulity. She and River were on what was essentially their second date, and Michelle wanted them to stand together and be knowingly photographed, just conversing intimately, naturally, for a newspaper with a circulation in the hundreds of thousands. They weren't even good at being normal when they were alone. No pressure, Jess mumbled. Just, he said, searching, tell me something about your car. My car? He laughed and stepped closer beside her. It's the first thing that came to mind. Don't assume I'm any better at this than you are. I absolutely assume that, she said. Look at you. What does that mean, River asked. What does what mean? Look at you, he repeated. Jess laughed. Blake clicked the shutter. It means that this is what you do. Of course I expect you to be smoother at all things dating and public appearance related. I mean, I'm, if you say average, I'm going to toss you into the bay. I wasn't going to, she said laughing. Click. River exhaled a long, slow breath behind her and she shivers. And he says, are you cold? And she says, freezing. Says Jess felt him shift, so he stood fully behind her. Just as she was going to ask him what he was doing, he stretched his arms out, and she found herself being wrapped up in soft warmth, pressed against a wall of hard heat. River had tucked her into his coat, enclosing her inside it with him. <laughs> Michelle laughs and says, Jess, you're blushing. Jess says, I'm sure I am. <laughs> I literally laughed so hard when I read that because I thought that's exactly what I would say too because um yeah because like what else you, what else are you gonna say like yeah I'm sure I am blushing right now like do you see this man oh so pictures aside article aside the trip comes out Jess and Fizzy are at Twigs Fizzy's like oh look at this you're melting your main frame is melting. Jess is like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> and they're just, they're, they're working in silence. And then it says, and in all this silent questioning, it never occurred to Jess that 824 was coming. The door opened with a jubilant ding and her heart skipped away double tempo. Stride, stride, stride. River passed through the room with the sweeping confidence of a king through a court and Jess felt the air shift all around them and honest to God change in atmospheric pressure. Fizzy leaned to the side, spotting River, her eyes going wide. Holy shit. Jess didn't have to turn to know that everyone was watching him. And then, even with her back to the room, Jess felt them all turn to look at her. Ignoring the feeling, she turned around. River was smiling at people? A healthy flush to his cheeks, a tiny yet unmistakable upturn to his mouth. 
Fizzy's voice glimmered with wonder. What did you do to him? We did not. He's smile. I know, Jess snapped. It's weird. Shut up. She did not shut up. When you two actually, <laughs> leaning in, Jess hissed, shh. She pretended to be very, very engrossed in her work, but it was useless. And she knew without having to watch him that once he'd picked up his drink, he was heading their way. He set down two cups on their table. Hey. Justin Fizzy stared dumbly up at him. He was so gorgeous and commanding that all Jess could manage in response was a flat. What? He nodded to the drinks he set down. A flat white. A vanilla latte. It's their drinks. I thought you might want a fresh one soon, he said. Thank you, they said in unison. The left corner of his mouth tucked in. You're welcome. Did you see the trib? <laughs> She's... She blushes and she says, uh, I did. Yeah. It, River smiled knowingly, waiting for more, but she was unable to mentally undress him and make words at the same time. Finally, he offered, I thought Michelle did a good piece. <laughs> it really, it was really good. She was nice, even though she mentioned my clammy hands. He laughed, shaking his head. You were great. Thanks. <laughs> so were you. He looked at his watch. All right, well, catch you later. With a final amused pursed lips smile, he turned to leave Twigs with his Americano in hand. Stride, stride, stride. The bell over the door cried when he left. Fizzy stared after him. What just happened? He bought us coffee. Jess was extremely casual. Not at all unsettled. Calm down, Fizz. <laughs> so, Fizzy, the hours go by. Fizzy's just staring at the photo of them. And she says, um, says, look at this chemistry. It drips from these pages. Tell me you don't believe this. Stop. You're going to set this town on fire. Everyone's humping tonight. Oh my God. Would you? And then just realizes, she says, uh, and, and Fizzy says, can you just bang him and then describe Fizz? Seriously, wait, today is Monday. So Juno and Pops go to the library on Monday. So just points to the paper. Fizzy, there are about 70 copies of this picture in the library. My kid is going to see me on the cover of the UT wrapped like a horny cat in River's coat. Do you know how many questions she has about giraffe vertebrae? Do you know how many she'll have about this? They both bolt up. They both go on this mission to hide all of the papers <laughs> before, before Gino and Pops get there. So their third official date, really, is to a dinner for with the board members and some people. This is when uh, they have their first kiss. Uh, people are like clinking their glasses like at like they're at a wedding and and they're like, oh yeah and River's like, we should have anticipated this and Jess is like, oh, yeah, well they want us to kiss and she's like, yeah, like like we totally kiss all the time. like this is totally normal for us. yes, because we're 98. we're your diamond match. we're your highest ones. yes, yes, yes. River's like, we don't have to. And Jess is like, well, I'm fine doing it if you don't mind kissing in front of all of these people (laughs) that you don't even want to be around. So they kiss. It's a a great kiss. And then he says, I'd suspect most people comment on your eyes, that startling bright blue. But I prefer your mouth. You do, she managed. I do, he said, and bent, kissing her forehead. You don't give those smiles away for free. (sighs) Like, we love him. We love him. But Jess is, post this, Jess gets a call that Nana Jo has 
fallen and broken her hip and has to have surgery. She doesn't have anyone to pick up Juno because Fizzy is out of town for the day. So she she's just like, I, I got to get to the hospital because Pops is going to be there. And, and, you know, what am I going to do? She calls River. River answers. And he says, hey, I is everything OK? And she says, no. He says, what's happening? I'm at the hospital. It sounded like he had just stood up. Oh, no. Nana broke her hip, and I need someone to get Juno from school. I know this wasn't part of the bargain, but Fizzy is gone, and my mom, no, hey, of course, I'll get her. Will they let me pick her up? I can call, and tears spilled over and just bent pressing her face into her hand. Oh, my God. I had a call at four, and tomorrow, let's make a list. He cut in gently. First thing first, call the school. I'll text you a photo of my license with all my information so you can just read it off to them, okay? Call the school. Let them know. Okay. Does she have anything after school on Tuesdays? Just feel clearer but slow. She imagined the calendar in the kitchen. And then she says she has ballet, but she can skip it. Can you bring her here? We're at Scripps. Jess, I can take her to ballet. No, it's okay. I, I promise it's not a problem. And I'm sure having her at the hospital won't make it easier on you. And... He says, I've attended plenty of ballet recitals. Remember the meddling sisters? I know what a plie is and everything. So she says, uh, she's thinking about her grandparents, and she says, they've never been apart. 56 years. I don't know what Pops would do if something happened to her. And he says, it's going to be okay. So she calls the school. River has sent the picture over. I mean, can you even? Can you even? No, you can't. You can't. You, oh my god. I absolutely cannot. Hours go by. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hours go by. She and Pops are sitting at the hospital. They're still waiting for Nana to, Nana Joe to get out of surgery. And they're just talking. I just, I love this conversation though. And um, he says, or Jess says, do you remember that time Nana bought us all gardening gloves and didn't realize the floral print was actually marijuana? <laughs> the way she kept insisting it was a Japanese maple. <laughs> His shoulders shook with quiet laughter and Junebug still pointing out Nana's favorite plant whenever she sees one on a t-shirt or a sign. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's one of the funniest things. Because that's... <laughs> That's absolutely something a child would do. And then it says, The sound of familiar laughter carried down the hall, and Jess looked up in time to see River and Juno turning the corner into the waiting room. Juno was still dressed for ballet in her pale pink leotard and tights, but her favorite pink cowboy boots clomped across the linoleum floor. Her hair was pulled up in a lopsided bun, and she held onto River with one hand, clutching a bouquet of sunflowers in the other. The side of their clasped hands ganked a breath from Jess's throat. There's my girl, Pop said, eyes lighting up. We brought sandwiches, Juno whispered, yelled, and Jess glanced up at River. He must have explained to her that this was a hospital and sick people were trying to rest. Jess couldn't imagine another scenario where Juno, Merriman, and Davis didn't burst into this room at full volume looking for her Nana. She handed Jess the flowers, pressed a kiss to her mom's lips, and then climbed onto Pop's lap. Jess stood, took, taking the white paper bag from River that River offered. You didn't have to do that. We figured the last thing on your mind would be dinner, he said. She smelled meatball subs and her mouth watered. Thank God, because I am famished. How is she? Yeah, how is Nana Joe? Juno asked. She's still in surgery, Jess said. They're expecting her to be fine, but we're still waiting. Pops, this is River Penna. River, this is my grandfather, Ronald Davis. So, 
River says, it's a pleasure to meet you. I've heard great things. Likewise, Pops returned the handshake and Jess had to bite her lip to keep from smiling. And thank you for taking care of our little June bug here. It's been quite an afternoon. It was no problem, River said. Sometimes it's fun to take a Muppet to ballet. Juno wiggled wildly on Pop's lap, sticking her fingers in her ears, screwing up her face. There she is, River said fondly. And Juno said, will Nana have her scooter again? I'm not sure, Pops told her. We better get my steel-toed boots out of storage just in case. So the pager goes off and um, River says, I'm going to let you get onto it then. Thank you. And he looks at Juno. Thank you for spending the afternoon with me, Juno Merriman. It's been a long time since I went to a ballet class. You're welcome, she said. You can come again if you want. Well, maybe I will. He smiled, turning to Jess. Call me if you need anything else. And she says, I will. She says, thank you. And so then she asked, so she asked, you know, how was your afternoon with Dr. Penna? I call him River Nicholas, and he calls me Juno Merriman. We went to ballet class, and we, he met Miss Mia, and he was going to wait in the parents' room, but I asked Miss Mia if he could watch us practice our recital. He sat on the floor by the mirror and watched us, Mom. He saw how good we were. I bet he was impressed. Jess's chest pinched tightly at the image of six-foot-four-inch River sitting cross-legged on the floor of the dance studio. Then we got a pretzel and some flowers, but he thought you guys might be hungry, so we got sandwiches too. Did you know I told him that you don't like raw onions, and he said he doesn't like raw onions either? I didn't know that, but it was very nice of you guys to bring us dinner. Now, is he your boyfriend? Because today he picked me up at school, sort of like a daddy would. Uh, (laughs) Juno Merriman, take me out, child. And she says, well, we're friends, so when I needed help picking you up, he offered to help me like friends do. Juno looked disappointed. Oh, but I'm glad you, I'm really glad you like him. It's been a long day, hasn't it? I'm not tired, Juno claimed through a yawn, but I bet Pigeon is wondering where we are with us, her cat. So Jess is like, okay, she goes to Pops and says, you know, I'm going to take Juno home. (laughs) Juno falls asleep on her. They're in the elevator. Elevator doors open. The elevator doors opened to the ground floor and Jess stepped out, stepping, stopping in her tracks when she saw River perched in a chair next to the exit. Approaching him, Jess balanced Juno in her arms. River, oh my god, you're still here? He looked up from his phone and abruptly stood. Hey, hi. I hope you didn't feel like you had to stay. He looked sheepish and sleepy. I wanted to see how she was, your grandmother. She's a champ. Everything went fine. She's sleeping now, but I'm sure she'll start hassling them to let her go home tomorrow. Good. He tucked his phone in his pocket and glanced at Juno asleep like a sack of potatoes on her shoulder. I also wanted to thank you for trusting me today. He leaned to the side, confirming that Juno was out. She mentioned something in the car to me about Krista and Naomi. Those are her two best friends at school. He clicked his tongue, wincing a little. I think maybe she had a rough day. We talked it out a bit, but sounds like they weren't being super nice to her at lunch. Just wanted to let you know. Jess's heart twisted. Her sunshine girl rarely spoke about school. It must have been rough if she mentioned it. I'll ask her about it. Thank you. You're amazing. She's amazing, Jess. You're doing a great job. She had to swallow twice before she could get her words out. Thank you for saying that. Pride warmed her from the inside out. Juno was an amazing kid, proof that Jess was a good mom most of the time. It hadn't been easy, but they were doing it. His compliment loosened something in her, though, and Jess was suddenly exhausted, too. Can I walk you to your car? (sighs) Oh, this man! 
can you even imagine? I can't. <clears throat> I really, oh, God. I really, oh, I really can't imagine. Because <laughs> it's so freaking sweet. <laughs> the next morning, she gets Juno off to school, skips going to Twigs, goes straight to the hospital, checks in on Pops and says, okay, I'm going to go find us some coffee. Comes back upstairs. Who's there? River's there. Of course, River's there. Just making his impressions with Nana Joe and such. Jess gets caught out for standing behind him, just listening in. And she comes in. Nana Joe, like, gives her a look. She's like, I, I'm speechless. Because he says, yeah, I went into Twigs and Fizzy said that you came straight here. So I thought you guys could use some real caffeine. And, like, because of course we did. And Nana Joe's like... Marry this man. Like, go go somewhere with him right now. Marry this man. <laughs> and Jess kind of gives this little shrug. River catches the shrug, thinks he's overstepping. So he says, okay, well, it's very nice to meet you. Hope you're feeling better. Jess, I'm going to go. Nana Joe's like, get out. Go right now. Jess goes out and they have this sort of tense conversation in the hallway because she is just freaking out internally. They had shared a very steamy kiss the night before when he had walked her out to the car. She's just feeling a lot of things and, you know, then her with her grandmother and all this. So she says, you know, I, I apologize about yesterday and all this. And he goes, I I offered. Like, I wanted to do this. I, I wanted to bring you coffee today. And he is just like, you know what, I, I'm, I, can't do this with you right here right now and she finally says I'm scared okay I don't want to get hurt and I really don't want Juno to get hurt she's never had someone she loved disappear on her so he kind of softens a bit he takes a step towards her and he says I don't want that either but I'm not a soldier or a robot I'm not here on genetic ally business I'm following what I'm feeling and then he says okay well to be fair, you wouldn't know this, but I'm, I couldn't fake an emotion if I tried. And she laughs and he says, I get that it's more complicated because of Juno, but what else am I supposed to do but ask? I want to spend time with you. So she kind of like, yeah, she goes, well, we are spending time together. And he says, official events and conversations in hospital hallways. Is that enough for you? And she says, I don't know what else is possible right now. And he says, what does that mean? He has closed all the distance between the two of them and he reaches for her hand and he says, this is part of life, Jess, emergencies and responsibilities and managing small fires all the time, but it's only part of it. There are quiet moments too, good moments, moments where we can ask for more. She says, it's not the part I'm very good at. He says, I hadn't noticed. She laughs and she says, what are you saying? And he says, I thought it was obvious. Really? She says, really? And he says, write it on my tombstone. He says, I want to be here to bring you coffee. I want to take you out to dinner and order the same food and hear you recite the odds that we would have met. I want to hate attend fancy social events together. I want you to call me for help without an apology already on the tip of your tongue. I want to feel like I can kiss you again by your car at the end of the night. And then he says, I want you in my bed. And like, sir, sir, <laughs> sir. We are in a hospital hallway right now, but 
Thank you. And, and then he says, look, I can tell you're not sure what to say. That's okay. You know where to find me when you are ready. Busy has come over. She's hanging out with Juno and she knows what's going on here. And so she looks at Jess and she says, if you could go anywhere when Juno goes to sleep tonight, where would you go? Like, what would you do? And Jess, like, on the tip of her tongue is saying, like, oh, sleep. And instead she says, I'd go over to Rivers. And Fizzy says, then get the hell out of here. Go find him. Jess says, okay, well, I don't have his address. And Fizzy says, well, that's shocking. Uh, here's his address right here. I found it in Juno's backpack. Apparently, Juno wanted to send him some pictures that she had drawn of their cat, Pigeon, and so she weaseled his address out of it. Jess shows up on his doorway. Obviously, they go at it, like, because obviously. And afterwards, he's like, how did you know where I live? And she says, oh, well, you know. And he says, oh, my God, the cat pictures. I feel so bad. I, like, she just wouldn't stop, so I finally gave it to her, and she says, No, I apologize because I know how persuasive she can be. So the next day, or yeah, next day, he shows up uh, to the apartments. First time he's actually seen the apartment. And they have a moment. She's talking to him because, well, they're cooking, they're baking cookies for Nana Jo. And then Juno says, who's here? And she comes out of the kitchen saying, River Nicholas, are you here to make cookies with us? Are you kidding, Juno Merriman? They executed some complicated knuckle bump hand slap dance greeting. I am always here to make cookies. Wow, what was that? Jess asked. They both ignored her. Obviously, it was a secret handshake. And Juno beamed up at him. We're making them to take to Nana Joe. Do you want to see my room? River grinned. I would love to see your room. But do you think I could talk to your mom for a second first? Okay, I'm going to go get it ready. Also, mom said we can get a dog. I'll be waiting. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this child. I love her. So, they, like, start executing a very family routine. It's very, very sweet. He starts staying the night, but, like, he gets up super early in the morning to leave. (laughs) And so, then, um, like, at one point, he comes back with with hot chocolate and stuff and, and coffee and Juno's like why did you leave mama's got coffee over here he's like what oh god it cracks me up so Juno keeps asking at this like she gets to a point she says are you and River Nicholas dating now <laughs> and uh, Jess says well why would you ask she says well because I saw some of his stuff he left a pair of shorts here yesterday so, River Nicholas has been coming over in the mornings after Juno goes off to school, and he went commando, apparently. So, that day afterwards, well, so, um, Jess says, I want you to know that you are my family. It's you and me, and nobody can change that. Do you understand? And Juno nodded. She says, I know, Mama. I like River, and I know you love me. And I love this. And so, she kisses Juno's forehead. She says, I do love you, Juno Merriman. I love you too, Jessica Nicholas. With a delighted giggle, Juno tore off toward her friends at school. You're like, that's so adorable. So, but later that morning after Juno's off at of school, um, River is there. And Jess asks him, uh, 
like, how was going commando at work yesterday? He laughs, and then he says, you'd think I would notice the lack of boxers sometime before leaving for work. And then he says, oh my god, Judo found them, didn't she? And Jess says, oh, she thought they were shorts. He says, I'm sorry, Jess. She says, no, it's good. I did tell her we're together, though. I hope that's okay. And he says, of course it is. And then he asks, was she okay with us? (laughs) This is so sweet. She says, I think she's thrilled, River Nicholas. (laughs) So he is just looking at her with a smile on his face. She says, I'd ask you what you're thinking, but I bet the answer is like RNA editing or restricting enzymes. He says, actually, wise ass, I was thinking how beautiful you are. And she says, oh, so not RNA editing. He smiles, kisses her, and he says, no, I was thinking how happy I am. And she says, just like your fancy machine predicted. And he says, I haven't felt this way before. Is it too soon to say that? She says, of course not. I haven't been home in years, but I feel that way with you. What, man? All other men are ruined. All other men are ruined. So, they go off, like, day later, whatever. They both take Juno Merriman off to school together. And they are swinging her between their arms. And she said, and Juno says, you need to be taller, mom. River Nicholas can swing me way higher. And he looked over at her gloating. I just love that. But unfortunately, happy things must sort of come to a small end. So later that day, uh, they have a meeting or a photo shoot with People Magazine. They've also done, at this point, a thing with, like, the breakfast morning show, whatever, NBC. Um, and Jess gets put in David's office. She, it, well, River Nicholas has also uh, said, like, okay, I'll see you soon. I love you. And then he's like, well, I go, yeah, I was going to tell you later, but yeah, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. Like, you just love that. You love that. However, Jess gets put in David's office and she's sitting there trying to work. Papers are everywhere. She looks over and there happens to be, she sees the 98. She's like, oh, it's mine. It's mine and River's test scores. Like, this is fascinating. Let me look at these because I'm a statistician. So she does. And that's when she notices that the numbers are exactly the same, except for like three different categories to the 93 score, which are people that she's actually met. And she's like, oh my God, these numbers are, they've been falsified. So she's like very brittle through this. River obviously knows something's up and she says, just come over when you can after work. And he says, okay. Or like after this is done, come over because I can't talk about it here. He says, okay. So he comes over and she, well, she tells him, okay, can you come over now? And he does. He immediately comes over. She says, have you ever looked at our raw data? He pulls it out and he says, yeah, of course. He looks over and she says, okay, we'll look again at this. Because she had taken photos before realizing this. So he says, what am I looking for? She says, just look at it for a couple of minutes. She hears him exclaim and she knows that he knows. He freaks out. He's like, I... I have to go. And she says, okay, what do you need from me? And he says, no, I, no, you stay here. I, I have to go. I'll, I'll call you. 
And she says, oh, okay. Okay, uh, I'll be here. I love you. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't call. The next morning, he shows up after 9 a.m. Like, 9 a.m. has come and gone. I mean, 8.24 has definitely come and gone. And, um... Fizzy notices that Jess, there's something off with Jess. And she's like, uh, so are you going to tell me what's going on here? Then Jess is like, well, you know, at this point, I don't actually know what's going on. So she doesn't say anything. Fizzy has just dealt with the breakup of a guy that she actually really liked, but found out that he was married and he had just sent his results into the DNA duo. So River walks in, walks right over. And I love this. He says, hey, looks at Fizzy. I heard about the asshole. Today, I'm affectionately referring to him as the douche baguette. He says, well, I didn't want you to get an alert, so I deactivated your matching for now and banned the douche baguette from the platform. The system may have accidentally sent a duplicate receipt to his billing address, but I obviously wouldn't know anything about that. With any luck, his wife is the one getting the mail. Fizzy smiles at him and says, I knew you were my favorite of Jess's many lovers. (laughs) But we love, like, River, we love that. But he and Jess take a moment outside, and he's like, well, David admitted it. It's David and Brandon and Tiffany. And now we have to go through, we have to run everything again because the company's going public soon and this could ruin everything. Like this could just, everything could go under right now. And Jess says, well, what do you need from me? Like, I love you. These numbers don't change anything for me. I don't care what the numbers are for me um, because the numbers can't tell us that we were going to fall in love with each other. And he says, I just, I have to go. I have to go. I'll, I'll let you know. This is a ultimate betrayal for Jess because, I mean, they were, like, he just said that he loved her. Like, and and even more so, it's for Juno, too. And so a week goes by and they started, Jess and Fizzy have started working from home uh, because Jess is like, I've called, I've texted, he hasn't, hasn't said anything back, and, I like, I can't be there in case he walks into the coffee shop. So they've been working from home. Fizzy's like, do you know th- th- how this is going to ruin my writing? Like, I people watch. This is what I do. Jess gets a knock on the door. It's the UPS man. She's like, oh, my God, I'm not wearing any pants. Fizzy writes down, uh, UPS guy, no pants. <laughs> so Jess signs off. She says, uh, sorry, let's pretend this never happened. He says, deal. Fizzy says, maybe being away from Twigs isn't so bad for my writing mojo. That might be the best start to a store I've had in a couple of weeks. And she says, please don't write a romance starring me and UPS Pat. <laughs> then there's another knock on the door and she's like, ah, Pat, let me go put on some pants. But it's not Pat, it's River. And he saying, he says, who's Pat? Just just looks at the screen. Fizzy, Fizzy whispers, what? Who is it? And Jess says, River. Fizzy says, go. And Jess says, what do I say? And Fizzy says, make make him do the talking. Tell him I said so. River can hear this. And he says, hi, Fizzy. <laughs> so Jess says, oh, great. She opens up the door. River's like, do you want to go put on some pants? Jess is like, not really. So he's trying, like, you know, he tries to talk to her. Jess says, I don't understand what you think is happening here. You don't get to drop off the face of the earth for a week and then act confused. She's like, if you're just here to break up with me, what you could have just done it by text by now. He's like, what? I don't want to break up. What are you talking about? I don't want to break up. And um, he says, do you really want to break up? And she says, 
I didn't. But I mean, he says, it's a yes or a no. And for me, the answer is a no. I love you. I love Juno. I needed to get my head on straight. But once I did, the first person I wanted to talk to was you. She tells him that an incident with her mother from a week ago where she had to like drag Juno in. Her mother was obviously under the influence of something. She had to give her $10,000 and said, I never want to talk to you again after I do this. And he's like, what? And she just tells her. And she said, when I came home to get my head on straight, the first person I wanted to talk to was you. But I didn't have that option. And so he says, I should have been here. I hate that I wasn't. And she's asked, well, how do I know you'll be here the next time? I get that it was terrible for you. I can absolutely imagine how you didn't even look up when you were in a work panic. But I really, truly wanted to be the person you turned to during all of this. And you said it yourself to me once. Bad things happen all the time. That's life. So if something huge happens at work and you don't know how to process it, do I have to worry that you're going to retreat into yourself and not speak to me for eight days? And he says, no, I'm going to work on that. I promise. So she's just looking at him and she just thinks he loves me. He loves me and he loves Juno. And so she says, I don't want to break up either. And he says, oh my God, I really wasn't sure which way that was going to go. Which we love that. Like, he was he was putting on a brave face. Uh, and so he's like, well, okay, we need to talk about your mom later. And she says, later. And she asks about the company. And he says, no. And he says, it was only our results. And she says, well, did you rerun them? He says, yes. And he holds out paper. He says, for you. And she says, do you know what the answer is? And says, he shrugs, smiling. Is that a yes or a no? Nodding once, River admitted, I do. I didn't trust anyone else to run it, but I worried someone would eventually out of curiosity. So she's thinking about it and she says, I don't care what our score is. I never have. Okay, so don't look. Do you care what our score is? No. It's easy for you to say that because you've seen it. Does that mean it's bad? He shakes his head. No. Is it something wild? Like the 98 was actually right? He paused, chewed his lip, and then slowly shook his head a third time. Jess blew out a frustrated Beth breath. Do you feel better about it now? Jess, all you have to do is open the envelope to know. <laughs> she closes her eyes. I don't want to. I understand that you needed to see the data, but I hate that you needed to see it to choose me. And so he says, I don't. I'm telling you, this score doesn't matter to me. I love you because I love you whether or not I'm supposed to. And then she said, okay, I'm going to assume we're a base match. And he says, okay, sounds good. Are we? No. <laughs> and he says, do you want me to tell you or not? Not. You know what we statisticians say. All models are wrong, but some are useful. I don't want to know the score, River. He says, I won't ever offer again. And then he holds out his arms and he says, can I do this? He gives her a hug. And it, she says, I can't believe you're here. And he says, I missed you. And she says, I've been here this whole time. He says, I'm feeling incredibly clingy. I love you. And she says, I love you too. And <laughs> he says... FYI, if you think I haven't written down every word of this, you're both high. <laughs> so in the end, they make up and then River hops in the shower. He comes out. She says, are you going into work today? He says, no, I'm not going into work. But if it's okay with you, can I go get Juno from school? She realizes what time it is. She tries to hop out of bed and he says, no, I want to go get her. And she says, I know, just let me. She stands up and he says, Jess eases her back on the bed and he says, I'm saying I want to get her. Let me help you if that's okay. I've got to fix things with both of my girls today. And I just, 
both of my girls. Oh my God. He's so adorable. So last chapter, chapter 26, basically an epilogue. It's two months later. It's science art fair project day. Everyone has shown up. Fizzy comes rushing in, drops a USB uh, into Jess's hands and Jess says, is this what I think it is? And she says, if what you think it is, is the newest Felicity Chin novel based parrot about a hot scientist and a sexy single mom making a love connection through a DNA based dating app, then yes. River, covered behind, leaning a curious chin over Jess's shoulder. Is it as dirty as your other books? Fizzy nodded proudly, probably dirtier. His eyebrows went up. It's hard to know whether I should be weirded out by that or proud. Reaching around Jess's waist, River took the USB. I'll start it tonight. At Jess's look, he added, consider it research. <laughs> He's too much. He's too much. So, Jess starts reminiscing. She's just thinking about how he's just really, just really taken in this whole thing and how he and Juno have worked tirelessly for the last two months on this popsicle roller coaster and how they ordered wheels from Germany <laughs> to make the car go faster and how they have this like really expensive glue now and you know what she's going to do with all of it. Fizzy kind of looks at her and she says, yeah, he's really great. And you're like, yeah, he is. And, um, you know, she keeps looking at him because it's IPO day the next day. And she says, you know, when do you have to leave? Do you have to leave soon? And he says, they're, they're just getting ready to announce everything. I'll, I'll leave after that. And so, and I absolutely love this. He looks at Jess and he says, I'm not saying the other projects weren't great. I mean, some were terrible and some were great, but completely objectively, Juno should win this thing. Mm, completely objectively, huh? She bit back a laugh. River's competitive streak ran deep. Second grade art science competitions were apparently not immune. Win or lose, I'm impressed with you both. She pulled at his sleeve again. She says, do you have to leave soon? And he looks at it and he says, they're about to do the awards. I'll leave after that. And so... They're sitting there. And then he says, Juno is such a curious, creative kid. We need to make sure we get a house with enough space for her projects. There's just a moment of silence. Their eyes meet. And then he just kind of looks away from her. And he says, I was going to talk to you later, but one of the teachers earlier mistook me for Juno's dad. Juno explained, but she paused for a second first. It made me think that maybe I haven't been clear enough about what I want. So Jess is sitting there and she says, you have an IPO. We we can talk about this later. He says, why? Is it going to be hard or stressful? And she says, okay, point taken. What do you want? And he says, you. And then he says, and Juno, maybe a dog. I want Fizzy's insanity and Joe's cooking, fishing on weekends with Ron. I know it's too early to really decide anything, but when you're ready to take the next step, whatever it is, I'm in. You're saying you want to move in together? He laughed. Of course I do. My place has more room, but it doesn't feel like a home. And I know how much you guys love the apartment, but we could find something big enough for all of us with a giant kitchen and bedrooms on the ground floor for your grandparents or even their own place out back. All men are ruined. Absolutely all other men are ruined. River Nicholas it is. So she says, okay, this summer, June or July, if you mean it, let's find a place. He says, yeah. And she says, yeah. But then 
The teacher comes out. River, it says River jerked himself away, tapping Juno's shoulder. Jess watched as they looked at each other and then ahead and smothered a laugh with her fingertips. She always joked that Juno was half fizzies, but now she had to admit that there was even more dominant influence afoot. Because in unison, Juno's and River's eyes went big and round. Their spines were ramrod straight. So Jess wished for one more thing. And as the room broke out into applause and River lifted Juno into a celebratory hug, Jess quickly threw a few more wishes out there for good measure. But even if nothing went the way they'd planned tomorrow, Genetic Ally had already done at least one spectacular, extraordinary thing. Juno closed her eyes as she wrapped her arms around his neck. We did it, River Nicholas! Yeah, just thought, watching them. We did. And if that's not the cutest thing you've ever heard in your whole entire life, I, I, we did it, River Nicholas. All other men are ruined. All other men are absolutely <laughs> ruined. <sighs> Honestly, it just, oh, it's so good. All other men are ruined. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I know, I'm pretty sure I've said that a couple of times this year, but I, I reached out to Christina Lauren, to, well, their Instagram account. I don't, I, I think it's Lauren that runs it. Um, and I said, please tell me because Shondaland wrote a blurb on the front of it that it's going to get green lighted because I need to see real life River Nicholas. Like the world needs to see this. And they responded with, we can only hope. From my lips to your listening ears to God's ears over at Netflix. Please, 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 please. Anyway, until next week. Oh, man. Hopefully I've read another book by then. I don't know. It's that the book hangover on this one is so real. Mm, goodness. Anyway, until next week, remember, there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next time. <laughs>